Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. This is a podcast where we sit down with different pastors, evangelists, Bible workers, and church members to discuss various aspects of soul winning and evangelism. And the idea is to pass along helpful hints and practical suggestions to church members so that in their personal ministry, they can become more effective witnesses for God in in their sphere. And so today, I've got a really special guest here with us. His name uh, is Blair Lemke. He is the Young Adult Director for North New South Wales. And uh, thanks so much, Blair, for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to be on. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, man. Hey, so today we're talking about how we're basically talking about summer camp evangelism. Mm. And I brought you on because I wanted to talk with you about whether or not what we see happening at camps each year, where all the young people come to, to our summer camps and, and enjoy some fun and sun and fellowship, if that's evangelism. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Would you say that what we do at our camps is evangelism? Absolutely, yeah. And it might not be the traditional concept of evangelism that everyone thinks of when you say the word evangelism, but certainly the, the things that take place at, or the purpose of camp is for evangelism. And as we run our camp program, as we put together the various aspects of what camp looks like, at the forefront of our minds is how are we going to win young people to Christ? And how are we going to get take these young people, notch up, increase their spiritual temperature? And for different people, that will look different because we have people coming into camp from a whole back, a bunch of different backgrounds. We have people who have never been exposed to Christianity. We have sponsor, and we sponsor different people, and other people bring their friends, all sorts of things. And then we have our young people from Adventist backgrounds that either have made a decision for Christ, others that haven't. And it's a real mixed bag, but at the forefront of our minds as we think through how to run camp, what it looks like, what we're going to include, what we're not going to include, the, at the forefront of our minds is how we're going to increase the spiritual temperature of these young people, how we're going to call them to spiritual commitment mm-hmm. and to a life in service to Christ. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's unreal. It would be a very real challenge because, yeah, like you say, you're dealing with a lot of different young people coming from a lot of different places, kid homes that are solidly Seventh-day Adventist yep. and some people from homes where they know nothing about Scripture and the God of Scripture. Do you see, like, when you do you see any campers who come who are just like, what's going on here <laughs> with the whole like religious tenor and the faith-based tenor of camp? Do you ever see that? Is there kids that come that are like, what is this place? Yeah, Does that de- ever happen? Oh, it definitely does. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and we've had all sorts of yes, yeah, so some of the young people that come along quite challenged behaviorally at different times and have, you know, been living lives outside of camp that are so far detached from a God-glorifying life or even exposure to, as you say, Christianity. And so it's quite a culture shift for a lot of them as they come and see parts of our program. Every day we're doing morning worships, we're doing evening worships in cabins, we're doing night programs, we're calling for, we're giving opportunities for Bible studies, we're calling for spiritual decisions. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pressure cooker environment for spirituality. But we're mixing that as well with social uh, connection, fun activities. And so there is a sense in which a lot of these young people from backgrounds that are not exposed to the Christian thing value the summer camp nonetheless for the social connection, the friendship and the exciting activities that they've never had the opportunity to do. And, and they're willing to take the 
cultural, spiritual kind of value system along with that. And so it provides a unique opportunity to challenge some of those young people to ramp it up a bit. Yeah. So if my wife and I stay in Australia long enough, our kids are going to be old enough to come to camp. And so as a parent of three boys and a little girl, if I sent my children to summer camps in North New South Wales Conference, what should I expect they're going to get to experience? Like what are they Mm. going to take away from this time at camp? So we break all of our campers up into cabin groups and they're assigned with a group of friends or other campers in a small unit where they have cabin leaders. And so basically they each of the campers goes around as a little family unit with their cabin for the duration of camp. And the cabin leaders that we put in, we select intentionally and put in are spiritual leaders in the home. It's very much in a home environment. It, when you think about youth ministry, uh, one of the things that veteran youth ministers will tell you is that youth ministers can't out-teach what happens in the home. It's what happens in the home that is the crucible for actually bringing people to spiritual commitment because that's the day in, the day out. And so we treat our cabin groups at camp as like the home unit. And this is where we every night we have family worship. We don't call it family worship, but that's like the translation into a home setting. We have cabin worships and our cabin leaders are intentionally chosen on their spiritual leadership because they're going to be the mum and the yeah they're in gender groups so there's <laughs> yeah. no mum and dad so to speak but <laughs> the they're the parents brother, yeah. yeah they're the spiritual leaders who are going to lead them through and camp will look like uh, a night program where each night program we have a speaker that will unpack scriptural truths speak to the young people in profound ways call them to spiritual decisions and for many this is a new thing and so the each night whatever topic is being covered will then be uh, the, the speaker will write out a series of questions that the cabin leaders will then, with their cabin groups in a smaller group context in their cabins in that night, go through as a cabin worship and talk through together and these sorts of things. And so it's a really um, great format, a way to unpack in a smaller context some of the topics that are covered, an opportunity for campers to ask questions. And there's, we've seen very powerful opportunities for spiritual growth in that environment. So you get the corporate big picture, you get the smaller home environment, and then you get the social interaction throughout the day of other godly young people and people who have made this a part of their life and yeah it's a very powerful discipleship tool and so I guess as young people or as parents consider sending their children to camp as a young person listening might think of what maybe I'll come to camp there the expectation I suppose or what can be expected to take place at camp is these spiritual meetings that take place of course we have activities as well so throughout the day we have we run different adventure activities in the outdoors Um, we see real value value in challenging young people to take be physically challenged and put themselves in new skill sets because we can teach a lot of spiritual lessons through these things through nature through challenge environments through putting people outside of their comfort zone the comfort zone is not the growth zone. And so as soon as we get the young people out of the growth, out of their comfort zone and into the growth zone, that environment, even in an outdoor rec, nature, activity sense, can translate into spiritual realities as well as they are in the evenings and in, in other parts of the camp program challenged to get out of their comfort zone into the growth zone spiritually as well. But yeah, it's really great. We have a lot of ton of different activities, abseiling, mountain biking, water skiing, archery, all sorts of things. And yeah, for a lot of the young people, they've never done these things before. They're very excited to be in it. And so yeah, there's a kind of that activity outdoors component and then the the spiritual component as well. And that's in a nutshell. Obviously, there's a lot of other moving pieces there as well. 
But in a nutshell, that's what summer camps looks like. That's what they would get. That's, that's it. what my kids would get. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds amazing, really. My my son, Max, would, if he just heard he, you talk, he'd, love it. he'd be like, can I come now? I'm only eight, but can I come? Yeah. Where do you guys usually find the camp counselors, the people who serve as those kind of big brothers, big sisters in the cabins? So we put out application forms and we just take applications of interest of young people and the vast majority of our staff end up being young people from local churches within the North New South Wales Conference and many of those have been young people that are serving in leadership roles in their local church, Sabbath school leader, youth leader, whatever capacity at a local church level and also we young people that have been through the Arise Discipleship Training course who have throughout the Arise course been challenged to share their faith, share worships and these sorts of things and uh, and feel quite confident and comfortable leading in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're, we're, as we work through the applications, we staff applicants to indicate where they might feel spiritually gifted, whether it might they can indicate if they want to lead out an activity mm-hmm. or in, a, in part of the night program with leading music or various components or whether they might like to be a cabin leader. And we work through those applicants based on their spiritual giftings and what they would like to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a pretty straightforward process. But we're always looking for spiritual leaders and spiritual staff. Yeah, we often we are having to reach out individually to people as well because we might not have quite enough applicants. Other times we have too many. It just depends on the camp. But but yeah, we if there was a young person listening or a staff, uh, someone that thought, hey, maybe I could do staffing, and we we're always interested in in having more on board and. Yeah, getting people involved. It's a ministry not just to the camp, the young people that come as campers, but we also see summer camps as a ministry to our staff as well. Mm -hmm. Because as our staff come on board, we're also putting them in an environment where they're being used by God, where they're serving, and they get to see, experience what God can do through them. And there is... There's something very powerful about young people seeing God use them. I would imagine, yeah, it's if you're camp staff in charge of a respective cabin, you're going to be pushed spiritually, right? Absolutely. Because you're in this position where you've got to disseminate ideas and information and your experience with God. And that might be really, really challenging and push you past Absolutely. your boundaries. And uh, the best way to learn something is to teach it. I come from a teaching background before I was in pastoral ministry. I was a teacher for five years, teacher chaplain. And this is something that teachers are well aware of. If you need to teach something or share something with someone else then you need to know it at a level beyond a, just a cursory observ- introductory level. You need to know it in more detail. And so as young people are put in positions where they're in a spiritual leadership position, where they're required to share their faith, where they're required to teach in some certain circumstances, we see incredible growth with our staff as well. So it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a, um, And of course, our staff are in the night meetings as well. They have the opportunity to hear the messages each night. We intentionally select pastors, ministers, preachers, who are faithful to the biblical Adventist message, who love to share scripture as it is in, in God's word without shying away from profound truths, and giving young people uh, a solid biblical message. And our young people, not just our campers, but also our staff, get to hear this and react to it, respond to it. And it's, it's very powerful. You come away from camps and every year when we finish up at camps, it's a very special close bond that forms with the staff and the campers. It's a very special place. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I really feel it's important that you that we relate the gospel to youth or transmit the gospel to young people in a way that's accessible to them. But at the same time, it's important for us to respect their intelligence and their humanity. That's right. They're full human beings who can respond to the power of the Holy Spirit and the truths of God's word. And so I've never found young people to be averse 
to solid, conviction-filled, idealistic, biblical preaching. Like I've actually seen them respond more positively to a straight, undiluted biblical truth than older people, like by far. And uh, I just think that young people, by and large, like they're not as corrupted by the world. And so they seem to be so much more open to just real Bible preaching. And obviously not just shiny-haired, old-school, 55-minute sermons, but to expose the meaning of a text and to let it shine in all of its glory and not to hide anything from kids. I feel like sometimes kids are more prepared to hear uncomfortable truths than older people like for sure. It's funny. I'm you glad know, to hear you say that because there's so many people who think that in order to appeal to young people, you have to preach to them a message that's not intellectually like meaningful. Well, like, that, just something exactly dumbed it. down, something that's toned down. It's almost like they have this idea that children are half people. Like they're just dumber people than the rest of us. Or that... Um, that you've got to, it, we live in this world. I heard this social commentator says, say the other day, he said, we live in a world where you've got college students and universities who you can't say anything that might challenge their presuppositions or their worldview, right? Like they're like 20 year olds who have to have safe places. But yet at the same time, we're trying to like sexualize kindergartners. It's a weird world right now where transgender activists are like coming into schools and in kindergarten, first grade level to read them stories and teach them moral values but then college kids, you can't upset the apple cart. But I just wanted to, I'm not trying to get us off on some weird social issues conversation, but I just think it's really important that young people, Jesus says, let the young people come to me. He doesn't say let the young people come to a dumbed down, neutered version of the gospel. He says, let the young people come to me because young people can come to Jesus truly. And my my son loves to read books about like Waldensi kids and how they would memorize copious amounts of scripture and go on these like missions for God that were dangerous and amazing. And he wants to be that. Like he aspires to that. And I really feel that the, they only reach so high because we expect so little of them. But anyways, I can preach a sermon about this and I just did. But uh, I just wanted to say that I'm so glad that, that you're choosing people to preach at camp who, yeah, they're relatable to kids. Like, they, they speak on the level of the young people, and they love young people, and they understand young people and have a heart for young people. But at the same time, they're not trying to buy the approval of kids by, you know what I mean, compromising exactly. the gospel. I just don't think kids are impressed. True heart, kids who are truly seeking God are not looking for a dumbed-down expression of religious faith. No, you're exactly right. And this is one of the big myths of youth ministry. There's certain things that if you start saying things for enough time, you know, that people start to just assume that these ideas, just you just got to do this to be effective with young people in youth ministry. And it doesn't take long working in the youth ministry space to realize what you know that these myths are out there and there's others as well <laughs> and so a big part of being a youth minister a faithful youth minister is busting youth ministry myths and actually upending some of these ideas that may have been around for a long time that may have been said by enough people that some level of credibility is associated with it but on actual analysis of the ideas doesn't translate into biblical faithfulness mm -hmm. and this is one of those areas certainly yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna just go down this little Tangent. tangential kind of pathway that i've created here but i was at one of our camps not too long ago and maybe it was like seven years ago and the philosophy that was driving the ministry at the tent was hey listen we're gonna meet the kids where they are so our music 
our programming, our the environment we're creating in the room is going to be one that's that's going to be familiar to a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid who's from an unchurched background. Now, firstly, the, the thing that was confusing about that to me is that none of the kids in the camp are from an unchurched background. Number two, the environment that was being created was a nightclub environment, and no one in the audience was old enough to go to a nightclub. So really what it was happening is we were introducing kids to a nightclub environment that they themselves had never participated in. And so it seemed a little bit strange to me to say you're going to create an environment that's relatable to 14-year-olds when that environment is that of a bar. And often it, often it reflects the interests of the youth leaders well, more than Well, that's exactly the, the case. That's exactly the case. So you had youth leaders who aspired to a certain style. And in the name of evangelism, we're imposing that style upon the camp itself. Now, I'm just making this critique based on rational, like, I think, I think. And plus, I've preached to kids all over the world. And I've seen the Spirit of God work in various ways, right? So you don't need a smoke machine and, and laser lights to win kids. Because I've seen you don't. And, uh, and I'm a secular kid. And when I came into environments where people were trying to be cool to me and show me how cool Jesus was, I actually thought that wasn't very cool at all. Mm. Because I thought to myself, your faith must be pretty weak. Because if you're serving God, the infinite God of the universe, you wouldn't, buy, you wouldn't be trying to, to beg for my approval. And that's what I saw. But now check this out. Now, I'm making this critique not against the philosophy, because I get the philosophy. And I agree, agree with the idea of meeting people where they are. Mm. And then you take them on a journey, right? You become all things to all men. So you help people to understand that you understand them. You're a human, they're a human. You speak English, they speak English. You went to school. You try to build bridges. Okay, cool, I get that. Now, this is what happened at that camp that I thought was crazy. It wasn't the music and it wasn't the, the style of the worship. It was, there was a powerful sermon preached by a guy from the U.S. that had been invited to the camp. It was a really great message. It was simple, it was clear, it was well explain the passage, the story, it was well illustrated. And by the end of that sermon, you had a tent of 350 teenagers that were just like dead silent. And you could sense the Holy Spirit. It was just like the Spirit of God is there, man. It was awesome. And, and I thought to myself, okay, so now's the time. So we met them where they were. The Spirit of God led them to the point of conviction. And they were like the people on Pentecost, like, what do we do now? And then as soon as the sermon was over, the program just went back to what it was before just back to a Triple J song that was explicitly about sex, a cafe where junk food was being served until late hours of the night. So it was. this was what was confusing me, is that we met them where they were, a group of mostly unconverted kids who are not favorable to religious discipline and the way of Jesus Christ. And we had a powerful, spirit-filled minister preach the glory of the gospel. The kids were fully into it. And then as soon as they were to the point of, okay, we were afraid to take them any further. And so what I saw there at that camp were a group of people who knew how to bring kids to a point of decision. But then once a group of kids came to a point of decision, they were afraid to move them any further. And I thought, man, that's the problem. So I don't fault them for their philosophy of saying, hey, let's be relatable. Let's be modern. Let's do, I'm just like saying amen to that. That's cool. Okay. Then once you get them to the point of conviction and they're like, what do we do? Okay, show them the way of repentance now and start to disciple and move them forward. Okay, so you, you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, definitely. Dude, that drove me, that drove me insane seeing that because I was just like, we got 300 kids now. As an evangelist, I'm like, you got 300 kids now. Let's move. What's the plan, guys? That's exactly right. And this is where, for as we think about how to run our camps, we are thinking very intentionally. I love that, that point that that preacher brought them to, that point of spiritual commitment and decision. That's 
key to how we run camps and what we do with that makes all the difference on whether we get young people that remain connected and engaged and are called beyond into a life with Christ. And when we're at camp, we always speak with our preachers and our, our, the people that are sharing our messages about the importance of strong appeals and calling people to a decision. And so every night we encourage our preachers to have an appeal point, an application point of the message. So when you bring them to a point of decision, you then give them an opportunity to put that decision into practice in their life so it translates as they walk out the door of that camp meeting, the second half of the sermon is lived out in their lives as they're called to put that principle into practice in their lives. And so we have appeal points all throughout the week each night. And then we also have a a decision at the end, a decision card where we uh, accept, where we get the decisions from the campers on specific points such as baptism, Bible studies, do you want to join a Pathfinder club, do you want to connect with a mentor? There's a whole list of different spiritual commitments strategically designed to translate that young person's enthusiasm for the gospel, the way that the Holy Spirit has opened them up to the truths of God's word, and then translate that into action in their life and and follow on where they, they can go from that camp and not just have had a fun week and a spiritual high, but can take that spiritual commitment and make it a part of their daily life. That's the challenge. That's the, the dream and the vision. And so we collect these decision cards. We send out all of the decisions to local church pastors where they've come from if they've come from a local church or a school connect them with school chaplains and we also follow up individually others that may not fall into that category and yeah give our our pastors our spiritual leaders in their home environment local setting the opportunity then to come alongside and disciple some of the decisions that these young people have indicated they'd like to do whether that be bible studies work towards baptism join a pathfinder club etc That's awesome. Bro, what's your advice to a local church? They send five or six or seven young people to summer camps. What do they do? What's your advice to them for when the kids come back from camps? What can they do to further the ministry that summer camp has performed in the lives of these young people? Number one, follow up. So when decisions are sent out and you get sent as a pastor or a list of the names from your local church of young people who have made decisions. Don't let that email sit in an inbox. (laughs) Um, Strike while the iron's hot. Strike while the iron is hot and follow up. Meet with your young person. Encourage them. for. Let them know. Because if you don't follow up soon, the devil will. Well, that's right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And these, it shows an interest in you as a local church spiritual leader in the decisions that they have made at a camp or whatever. And you're interested in that decision and want to support them in that at a local level. And so... I would say number one most important thing is to come alongside that young person, encourage them in that spiritual decision that they've made in whatever capacity that is, and then give them opportunity to support, put them in an environment where that's supported and nourished and encouraged. It's, yeah, it's a sad reality that follow-up is hard. Follow-up can be tricky because we have so many things in our lives, busyness, and yeah. If we were trying to be negative, we could talk about stories where unfortunately young people have made a powerful spiritual commitment but then have come home to an environment where that hasn't been at all acknowledged or followed up in any capacity and they're left to try to blaze their own momentum. And that can be tricky as a young person and it can kind of wane and go away. There's just a spark out of the fire. That's it. So they caught fire in the midst of the flame of camp and the Spirit of God was working through the various elements of camp and then now they're just there. They're back in their normal lives that is not... And their life, the life that they come from is not conducive to a continued spiritual experience 
But if the church membership can create a process or find individuals that are fired up to, to follow up those decisions and start Bible studies with those kids and bring them into the ministries of the church, then maybe we can keep that fire going. Well, that's the goal, isn't it? And it's yep. always going to be best achieved in an environment of support and encouragement and mentorship as opposed to isolation. Mm-hmm. And so we, we always encourage, if I can just push on this, like not in a kind of, I guess, overbearing way, but just to help emphasize the importance of this, there can be... This is one of the most important things with our young people is they make decisions, that we support those decisions and follow up on those decisions. This is like amazing news for any church pastor or parent. This is like worth taking time to acknowledge, celebrate and come alongside. It's worth making time for it. And this is really where the rubber hits the road in terms of actual spiritual translation into you know the everyday life of a young person. Yeah, and I would also say we always open our summer camps up for local church pastors, parents, whatever, to come and have a look. We'd invite local church pastors to come along. If they, they know they've got a group of six, seven, eight young people, come and drop in for a day and, and come do an activity with them. See, visit a night program or whatever. Come sit, take a worship with your, your youth group or whatever. Mm-hmm. What a fantastic way to connect with and see them at a summer camp level. Then make follow-up on the other end so much easier as well when you can say, oh, I was there that day. And it's not just some... Now, that's not possible for everyone, of course, and that's, that's fine. That's why we run summer camps when you know, things enable things to happen at a conference level that aren't always available at a local church level. But these are just some ideas and ways to connect, support the young people and help continue that spiritual connection at a local level. I love it. I love it. So just, I got one more question for you, bro. And and this is just going back earlier in our conversation. I talked to you about what will my kids experience if I send them to summer camps? And by the way, I loved your answer, and I, th- I just love the fact that summer camps happen. They were huge, just as a side note, they were a huge part of my wife's spiritual growth and development as a young teenage girl, both as a camper and as camp staff. So once she graduated high school, went to university, she worked at summer camps her whole time as she went through uni. And as a young adult Seventh-day Adventist who was learning to live her faith, she found that the opportunity to be a camp staff member and to be like a cabin house leader it was like huge for her it helped her really solidify her faith in god and it was a a solid platform to go on to some more ministry and just service in the church but so yeah back to the 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 question that i asked you in regards to what kids experience at camp you guys have made some changes you and our youth director donna howard have made some i wouldn't call them huge changes and i don't know all the specifics of the situation, but I know that you have made some changes like with dress codes at camp. And I think before you guys came along, the girls would wear bikinis and sometimes G strings at camp and on the beach and stuff. And you guys came in and made some changes there saying that girls need to wear shorts and, and not have G string bathing suits on while they're at the camp and this and that. And you've come from some corners of the church. You came under fire for that, right? Some people thought, that was a bit extreme, or maybe you were trying to be too rigid in the application of biblical principles. And uh, what's your statement on that? And talk to that for for a second and and just share. What was the logic behind some of the shifts and the changes that you and Donna made? And why do you think that those changes were beneficial to camp? Yeah, that's a great question. Trying to get a bit spicy here, Matt. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just it's it is the reality of the That's situation. True. You've got if if as a minister of the gospel, you get criticized a lot, and it's unfortunately a lot of the times when you get a lot of the times when you get criticized, 
you don't get criticized by people who come and talk to you and ask you questions. You get criticized by people who decide to form opinions about why you made certain decisions and who you are and what your motivation is. And then they, they forward a narrative. And that's oftentimes very unfair. And so I think it's important that people have a chance to answer for why mm. they make decisions that they make. And that's why I wanted to ask the yeah. question, because I think that you guys probably had good reasons to make the changes you did. And I think that you probably made them in good faith. And I think that the Spirit of God led you guys mm. in, in that. But that's, yeah, appreciate you asking. Look, I would say, I would answer that by saying this at first. Every decision that we make at camp, the driving motivation for Dana and myself as we think about our camp program is how can we be faithful to Scripture and Spirit of Prophecy? How can we best create an environment where our young people are going to be positioned to make spiritual commitments and decisions? That's why we run our camps. We, that's where we started off, remember? The, the, the evangelism. Camp it's is evangelism. evangelism. That's right. It's bringing kids to Christ. That's right. And to the truth of God's Word. And, and th- that summer camps are evangelism is just so evident in that light. Every year, and I didn't touch on this earlier in the question, but when we started off, but probably worth touching on it now, every single year we have hundreds of young people make spiritual commitments at camp over the course of the summer, Bible studies, baptisms. It's every single year a very big component of the, or a significant component of the baptism decisions uh, that are made across the conference. And, and so this is very much is evangelism. And so as we think about how to make decisions around camp in the practical day-to-day issues of camp, we're thinking how can we be faithful to Scripture? How can we be faithful to Spirit of Prophecy? How can we create an environment where young people will be best positioned to make spiritual commitments. And so that's the driving motivation. It's not to be mean, grumpy, <laughs> or kill joys, or any other whatever criticism you might like to attach a label to. And yes, as we approached camp, as we took leadership of camp, we did look at some areas where, to our conscience and to our consideration, we thought that there's opportunity to grow. And this is the case all the time. In everything that we put our hands to, there's, there's still right now things that we can grow in our camp. We would no, by no means suggest that there's not opportunity for growth. If there was a new youth director came in, they'd they would find things to grow and tweak and change and that that would be expected and so we look at our camp program and we did make a few adjustments we one of the things we looked at doing was uh, that we did do is we oh, we made the decision to there was a lot of music secular music that was played often had different swear words and things like that because there was just no monitoring around it it was just played in halls and different people would you know put whatever they liked up or whatever and and we looked at this and we said this isn't really helping to create an environment where that we're trying to create you know, for, of spiritual focus and commitment and so uh, we brought in some yeah i guess some processes of having a camp playlist that we operate that includes spiritually uplifting music that has ennobling themes and values and that's that's one of the things we looked at our dress code as you mentioned and we're thinking again how can we create an environment where our young people are best positioned to think spiritual thoughts and to be encouraged to make spiritual commitments and we brought in a basic modesty dress code for safety in many ways for sun protection and for just being able to interact well and safely with OH&S and all these sorts of things but also for spiritual reasons as well to preserve an environment where we value and we promote modesty and, and Christian value system where young people can come along and see something that's so different from the world around them and say wow this is this there's something about these people that is different why is there no swearing why is there kindness why is there um, beautiful modesty in the way that people choose to present themselves and we brought in some basic standards around that which which by the way were you mentioned that there was a bit of kickback at times yeah there is 
at times, but overwhelmingly we receive positive feedback about these very small, minor things. As a dad, trust me, you would get positive feedback from me if my 15-year-old daughter was there. And she, my 15-year, I like to imagine that my 15-year-old daughter isn't going to be wearing a G-string in front of other boys uh, or in front of a bunch of boys, you know, who are looking at her genitals, basically, while she's wearing, and I hate to, to speak like that, but it's just the facts of reality. So I would, ho- I would like to think that my daughter won't be at that time of her life feeling the need to allow herself to be objectified by young, po- just barely post-pubescent boys who are sexually charged and, and riled up. I would like to think that she will see herself so valuable as a person that she won't feel the need to get attention from people by showing off her sexual parts or her physique necessarily or private parts basically. Mm. But if I would feel very positive as a dad that there were some basic standards and it's challenging because there is a a bit of, there are different degrees of modesty. There's the modesty that you find in Fiji and there's the modesty you find in the, in Russia, right? But, but at the same time, so, so there's always going to be these debates and we're not going to know exactly where to draw lines. But it seems to me that wherever you draw a line, there's going to be a bit of tension and conflict. So you can't avoid that. There was a story I read about a Christian, not Adventist university, and the students were appealing to the admin to change certain policies in on the campus. But these policies were basic biblical stuff. And the admin of the college said, no, sorry, we're not going to make the change. And in their explanation to the student body, they said, what you have to understand is that the battle begins where we draw the line. And you suppose that if we move the line, there won't be a battle anymore. But there's always going to be a battle pushing in one direction or another. And so you might think, okay, the line is in the wrong place. And if we move it to the, quote, right place, there won't be any conflict or fighting. And they said, look, that's the opinion of youth. But once you get older and you get some experience in life, you'll realize the battle begins wherever the line is drawn. And so the line that you guys have drawn, the, the modesty line or whatever, the dress code line at camp, it seems to that in many places in the world, they would think you were flaming <laughs> liberal lunatics letting girls wear short shorts. You know what I'm saying? Go to the Czech Republic, to the eastern part of Europe, and see if that's a standard by which people would call you a radical, conservative, fuddy-duddy killjoy, right? And so that's the challenge with certain with certain, with just having any standards around dress. But I would say that as a parent, I would be very appreciative that an environment was being created where my daughter could go into that environment and she was being taught by precept and example that her beauty and her value is based on who she is as a person, right. not based upon how many perverse teenage boys want to draw near to her because they're titillated by how she dresses. And people, this is the thing that drives me mad because... Why would you in any way, shape, or form balk at people creating standards so that girls are not objectified? We're not saying we want you to wear burkas here. We're just saying don't show your sexual organs. <laughs> Does that sound like I, I feel like I'm, I'm sitting here listening to myself, right? I'm a 47-year-old man with four kids. And, and I've got to say as a Christian in the church of the living God, which is assigned by God to prepare people for the second coming, that I've got to say that I think it's not strange to mm-hmm. tell children who are 15 that they, it's probably not the best way to carry yourself by showing your private parts to other teenage people. That that may not be the best environment to create. It's almost unbelievable. That's radical. It's almost unbelievable that we're sitting here like talking about this. But oh, hey, we are. Because the battle begins where you draw the line. Mm-hmm. And in our church family, our church community, we have kept moving the line away from mm. godly modesty to the point where 
anything is justifiable. Mm -hmm. And to call anybody to a higher standard is radical or wild or fanatical. And it's, no, trust us. We don't want girls in burqas. And we do want some level of freedom and personal choice, but got to have some standard. Mm. Dude, anything, any, thanks for this. I hope that guys, you're listening to us and, um, we hope you appreciate this conversation. I think you would. Summer Camps is an, is an amazing ministry, and God is blessing it in so many ways. And the devil brings up these minor issues for us you to know, squabble I would, about I think in order to get in the way. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned that there, minor issue. Like, for, for us, these the big issues are co- and the, the driving influence, again, is faithfulness to Christ, faithfulness to His cause, faithfulness to the Word, faithfulness to the Spirit of Prophecy, faithfulness to creating an environment where young people make a decision for him. That's our big issue. Some will try to make issues, big issues of some of these small things that we make calls on to serve, better serve that big issue. But at the end of the day, we're called to be faithful to the way that God has led us through our consciences. We can only be faithful to our convictions and how we believe God is calling us to lead. And if we as leaders ended up being unfaithful to our conviction of what God is calling us to do, how could anyone trust their young people to a camp where we're running it? I wouldn't, because that is just, you're a compromising leader. And yeah, we work with different people, and you know, there's accommodations and all of that sort of thing, that notwithstanding, but at the end of the day, we seek to be faithful to our conscience, faithful to God, and we may keep the big issue in our young people's salvation and, call, and calling them to decisions as the big issue, and where others may wish to distract with these smaller issues, we expect that because this is a part of doing serving Christ in his course. That's it. And yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Blair, for joining me. And I appreciate the thoughts uh, that you've shared. And I appreciate your ministry and what you guys do at camp and how God uses that ministry. And obviously, he's been using that ministry for years before you guys came in. But he still is in a new and powerful way. And look, camp is evangelism. Our summer camps are evangelism. So if, guys, if you have young people, I would encourage that you send them. It is a safe place where the gospel's being preached, where lots of fun is being had, and where there are uh, biblical standards being, being upheld. And yeah, listen, please pray for our youth team and the ministry that they perform on our conference. They need it. God bless you guys. Take care. And we'll look forward to talking, talking to you next week.